Welcome to the School of the Word. This is Lesson 68 in our teaching series, As in the Days of Noah, titled Summary of the Book of Revelation, Part 3. Our teacher is Alan Smith. Amen. Well, we do welcome you all here. And uh, this study is As in the Days of Noah, and, uh, and the, you know the Scripture, So shall the coming of the Son of Man be. And in this study... I hope that you've caught on to now that the whole New Testament is written in light of his soon return. His soon return is the main theme of uh, the whole New Testament. And uh, But I like to put up a little quote uh, some, and uh, I don't know, I guess I, you can tell how I feel because the quote will match how my internal state is. Uh, when you reach the end of your rope, this is a famous quote by somebody, tie a knot in the end of it and hang on. <laughs> and I'll tell you who said it was Franklin D. Roosevelt. <laughs> well, said. well said, Franklin. And uh, for sure that is the book of Revelation. <laughs> when you get to the end of your rope, tie a knot in it, and you better hang on. So I'm trying to do a short summary of the book. We've been through the first seven churches. Uh, we, uh, the impression I want to leave with you is that the book is written to the seven churches. Sometimes we get over in the book of Revelation, we lose sight uh, that it was written to these seven churches to give them information of what was soon to come. And it's, uh, it's so amazing over the last 2,000 years how many different ways this has been interpreted. And uh, we know that a large part of the church was in replacement theology for, I guess, maybe 1,500 years, but even there's a third of the church at least still embraces replacement theology today. And uh, I, Jeff and I on some podcasts have discussed this in the last week or two, and it's a, um, and you can take replacement theology, covenant theology, you can take a lot of the different systematic theologies, dispensational theology, teaching. It just so happens that... Uh, I believe, as the Apostle Paul said, that God's placed everybody in the body where it pleases Him. And I have my own persuasions, but I also know that, like in replacement theology, uh, the belief system is that the book of Revelation was basically experienced in 70 A.D. when Titus came through. Uh, Jerusalem, as Jesus uh, foretold, and they were dispersed, and they believed that the that in Jesus Christ, uh, the fulfillment of uh, the church was birthed, Acts two, and that the church is called replacement theology replaces uh, the Jewish nation Israel, and uh, from there on out, then replacement theology spiritualizes everything so to speak, and I like to represent it properly. Uh, but also in replacement theology, you know, where Jesus says that the kingdom of God is within you, such a scripture like that, the kingdom of God's within you, 
uh, that you are now the temple of God. So they say their belief system is that the literal restoration of that temple and all is not going to happen with the Jewish nation because the the last revelation is that you are the temple of God. This is the restoration of the temple. Uh, they don't believe in the literal second coming of Christ because the second coming of Christ is when you receive Christ. He came to you. The scriptures there are uh, somewhat spiritualized, but at the same time, there's truth to that teaching. I, d I don't have any problem with Christ is in you or the temple. Uh, but from uh, so in replacement theology, they'll say that these things, the Old Testament's a type and a shadow of things to come. Jesus fulfilled all of that, and now it's all spiritualized of the second coming. Uh, Christ in you is the kingdom of God is within you, yada, yada, yada. So in that type thinking, the earth will grow in Christianity until Christianity more or less takes over the earth. That's the... And I'll be honest with you, that's the reason the re, uh, people that believe and embrace replacement theology, I mean, I, that's a pretty good system if you're going to pick one. Uh, you're not going to be too worried about today's events because your belief system is that Christianity is going to get better and better and grow and grow and grow until it takes over the earth. And then if you throw in a little bit of dominionism, they believe that then the second coming happens. And so they're kind of replacement theology until the end, and they throw in dominion. And so everybody's got their different ways of viewing it. And, uh, and there's a lot of aspects of all of it. I can embrace it. I mean, I, I see where they're coming from, but that's the reason I say the accumulation of evidence doesn't equal spiritual truth. You can accumulate your, your scripture and, and go down this road, a path, and you'll end up at the end of it. And the same way with Reformed theology. Uh, John MacArthur, I don't know if anybody's ever heard John, but incredible Bible teacher, that he's more of a Calvinist, total Calvinistic viewpoint. And that's predestination that God picked you and you didn't have a whole lot to do with it. So, But you have all of these different ideas that are out there. And, uh, and people accumulate their scripture in which to prove their point of view. I find myself that I can be in agreement with most all of them in a lot of aspects. And, but what I find in all of these different systems of theology, if you will, is they all tend to, what they have in common is they say, God's doing this, but he's not doing that. They, all of them have that in common. God do, does this, but he's not doing that now, or he did this then. And they always, that what they have in common is, and you have to do that before your system will work. You see, God's not doing that. You have to say that or it'll mess up your system. You see, and, so, and that's the reason the Word of God and I have studied a lot of the different systems in my lifetime just because it interested me a lot. And then you're always wondering, well, does one system, maybe that's it. And uh, I've studied a lot of systems, even into different religions, to see if that was it. And... Uh, and every, it, it, the systems will do the same thing. So my point, <laughs> I do have a point in saying this, 
is number one is all the, the different systems of theology that we have. Uh, I have a, one hermeneutic that I felt like the Lord spoke to me personally. Okay, Alan, do this, and then the, then let the Bible go by this one basic uh, hermeneutic, and and that is once God says something, it just is. It, God doesn't go back and say, uh-oh, or I changed my mind or whatever. So, so I've got one basic hermeneutic, and that is if God said it, it's in place. And then I have to deal with it. So that's what happened with me, you know, even in healing. I got healed of uh, some tumors, and at that time I said, no, God's not doing this now. And then God put me in a situation and this is really odd. Uh, I wasn't begging for healing because my theology did not allow that. But I had a friend or two around me that did, and because they were my friend, I yielded to them. And so it wasn't even my faith in healing that contributed to my healing. But it was their faith. And then I was amazed... And I still stand before you 30 years later wondering, God, why would you do that? I mean, there's no reason. Except when I look back and look at the fruit of what happened to me was, he changed my theology. And it got in there. So like I say, I've looked at all these different paths. And what I've noticed, everybody has to say God did and God didn't somewhere along the system to make it work. And God, I think, spoke to me and said, Alan, once God says something, it just is, and you're going to have to deal with it. And your theology's got to match it best you can do. So now I'm saying if God said he can heal, it, it just so happened God's so big and so great, God's in trouble because once he says something, it is. For eternity. Right? He, he's kind of hung too. Because once he says it, it puts it out there. And it's just reality. And so when I study the scriptures, I try to, I'm constantly having to come up to that uh, hermeneutic that God says it, and so it is, and now I got to deal with it and make it fit or work or whatever. So when it comes like even to replacement theology, what happens is they say, all right, everything that happened in the Old Testament was a type and a shadow of what Jesus did. In other words, their claim to fame is we find Jesus in every verse. That's the claim of replacement theology. Every verse we find Jesus. And so their emphasis is Jesus. Well, I mean, how can you go wrong on that one, right? I mean, I'm over How can you overdo Jesus? I, I don't know that you can. And so, uh, but yet you can see how our different things happen to us that tends to divide the body of Christ. But then I'm reminded of what Paul said. Um, where is that scripture? Is it 2 Corinthians? Um, somebody find it. First or 2 Corinthians? Uh, uh, Paul said that God has placed everyone in the body. 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, that God's placed everybody in the body where it pleases Him and not me, where it pleases Him. So it's almost like we've got all of these different uh, ideas out there, and God's placed everybody. And then when we get to these seven churches in the book of Revelation, it represents 
just about all of us right there with our problems. Here's our problems. Some's materialism, some's ego. Um, we stay in the, I guess you can say, in the faith. And Jesus says, hey, your relationship is... When Jesus judged the seven churches, he judged them over relationship, not theology. And so theology is important to me. I think we can get it right and we can get it wrong. And, and evidently we can because I've had to change mine down through the years. <laughs> and so we also see that theology can be changed. And so as we grow and... But I've noticed when I'm growing properly, just like when God says something, it is. Well, when God reveals something to me, it just is. And then the next thing that I learn goes in on, it will work with it if I'm handling it properly. The main thing that God says is He doesn't want us to do anymore is sin. So we find out that our what's going on and in the book of Revelation, these seven churches... It's all about relationship. I had a person come to me yesterday, and uh, this particular person said to me, uh, how do you think God feels on this particular thing that I'm doing in my lifestyle? What do you think? How do you think God feels about it? And I thought about it, and I had what I thought the Word of God said, but that's not what the Holy Spirit had me say to him. What the Holy Spirit had me say to him was, okay, how does God feel about what you're doing? I said, well, the issue, I can give you the right answer, but that's not the issue. I said, the issue is, how is your relationship with God so you can ask God that question? And He can lead and guide and direct you in your life. That's the question. And that's what it's saying to the seven churches. It wasn't about if they're... I think you can have good doctrine and bad doctrine. Good. Thing. I think all of that goes with us walking with God. And just like I say, I've had to change mine a lot over the years. Looking forward to what I change in the future. And because I've learned uh, that the more God has me change, the more I'm convinced that this thing is really real because I start seeing. And it's kind of like my bad doctrine holds me until God says I'm ready for more truth. And so what I found in this person was I did not tell him the right answer. I just told him that the relationship was in trouble with God was the reason they were having to ask me the question. And so then our discussion went on with relationship with God. And that's the reason I'm not standing up here trying to persuade you of what I'm thinking. Because some of this might even change in the next 12 months. But I will be very honest with you where I am up to this point. And you judge it, but I'm trusting that you have a relationship with God enough that... I'm just a person that's a grain, of, I'm a pebble in your shoe that's causing you enough aggravation to look into the shoe and see what the problem is. Surely I can at least be a good gravel. <laughs> and uh, to aggravate us just enough that we'll look into the Scriptures to see what it's saying, to see if it's true or 
or if it's not true. So that's what I, if you the overall big thing in approaching the book of Revelation is that Jesus Christ judged the seven churches based on their relationship to him. When he says all of these things, you've got Jezebel, you've got bad doctrine, you've got the Nicolaitan spirit, you've got all of this stuff going on. But yet, what Jesus is trying to get across was the relationship. And so that, that tests me, that causes me to constantly be in this situation of a religious spirit versus the relationship with Christ. I hope you can hear what I'm trying to say. Because a lot of what we know about the Word of God is used as in the form of a religious spirit. And a religious spirit is nothing but replacement theology of a relationship with Christ. And, and that's, what Jesus, that's what the revelation of the book of Revelation is talking about. So the greatest frontier for the Christians to explore going forward is uh, knowing God, knowing our relationship with God. And I heard something this past week, and uh, maybe some of you have heard it. It's this preacher in England, I think. And he was given a report of the thief on the cross. Anybody seen that little short? Have you seen that? Isn't that cool? He's given a report of the thief on the cross. And, of course, they all died and they went to heaven. And, and Peter said, uh, why, why are you here? What, by what right uh, are you here? And the thief on the cross said he hadn't been baptized. He didn't know the articles of faith. He didn't know anything. He said, listen, Peter. I have no idea. The guy in the middle told me to meet him here. <laughs> and um, doesn't, that, doesn't that say it all? <laughs> the guy in the middle told me to meet him here. So, uh, no, the guy in the middle told me I could come. That's what he said. And, uh, but that one little, uh, that concept is what we can't get away from. It's the simplicity is to be so simplistic that why are we here is the guy in the middle told us we could come. And so we approach the Scriptures with that in mind that this thing is, Christianity is different than other religions. And you've heard it said, but have we thought it through that it's about relationship? It's not about a religion. And when I do that to myself, I find myself wanting. I find myself probably very short because I can, I can put on a big enough show to make you think I know something. But the question is, how well do I know him? It's not how well he knows me. I think he does. It's how well do I know him. So the reason I'm putting that emphasis is we go even into today's service the question is, if we come into it with a religious type spirit based on what we know, could we approach this place of congregating together with trying to discover that part of God and Christ that we do not know? That we could encounter him in a fresh way, in a new way of, of revelation and coming to him as, as little children saying that we know uh, Lord, you're wanting to be in this relationship with us. And 
we yield. We want to do it too. And so I wanted you to keep that all in mind, the relational part as well in your total Christian life, I recommend it. But as we're doing this little summary of the book of Revelation, and I didn't want to do uh, systematically what you would do after you leave the seven churches is go into the chapter four and just hit Revelation and go through it. And that's not what I hear the Spirit saying to me. I'm going to give a little overview here. I don't know how long this overview will last. I thought it'd be a week, and I'm already into my third. And I've already spent up about 20 minutes talking about relationships. So we'll see what happens here. So this is a little short summary of the Word. Uh, as we approach the, uh, I did the seven churches, now we're going to kind of summarize that each letter has a strong message to convey to the churches, always in view of Christ's soon return. But we have to look at it and say, okay, this is all written, New Testament is written in His soon return. You can see why the replacement theology people have, re, have said the second coming is when it comes into your heart. And because, you know, Jesus said such things as this generation shall not pass away. He says a lot of things that I can line them up for you in a row and you'll say, yep, right there it is. That's that's right. But I also have discovered enough in other systems of theology that I know where to throw in the right scripture to mess up your train of thought because it messed me up. And so, but anyway, they are all written in light of Christ soon return. So that tells us as a church, what is, how are we to be poised at all times in our life? Well, if you are truly in relationship with Christ and looking for His soon return, it has a lot to do with how you live life, right? Now, uh, the church had many different expressions in the beginning, as can be seen in the diversity of these seven churches. I'll look for another word other than diversity for the way it's being used today. But I said, no, it's just diversity. And I mean that not as it's being used today, but in all honesty, that diversity was there too. They had to deal with it. But what I want you to see there is there's a lot of diversity in the seven churches. Uh, that's like we want to say, all right, let's get a pattern. We know the seven churches is examples of the churches. All right, which one do you want to do? Well, we'd kind of pick Philadelphia, but but for sure we find more of Sardis and Thyatira in us perhaps than Philadelphia. So, But nonetheless, the churches, the seven churches were different. They had different groups of people. Some dealt with homosexuality. Some dealt with, it was just a, so the church didn't come together in these first seven churches as a clone of a Jerusalem church. It, it didn't, that wasn't the reality of what happened. And so when John got this revelation to speak to the seven churches, he gives the second seven churches like, oh my gosh, are they even first cousins? But because they were, it was based on the culture that they were in, they had different set of problems. And they didn't look alike. It was, it was diversity. They didn't, I'm sure they didn't even sing the same songs, you know. Uh, but as we look around, we can see the church of Ephesus, Smyrna, etc. In some countries, Christians are persecuted, and in other, materialism and compromise are their witness. Right? I mean, today even, 
then seven churches. Today even, uh, we see that some Christians are persecuted in other nations. Uh, the problems of materialism and compromise, which is what we tend to find ourselves in the Western church. Uh, I also watched a, a teacher this past week who had one particular persuasion of theology was blaming the fallen state of the United States on this other form of theology. I mean, hung a whole 100% of the sins of our country is because of this wrong Bible teaching. And I mean, he done a good job. That made me cry. It's the biggest thing I've ever seen. How this, he, you could tell he didn't like the other persuasion. And, and I was like, I'm like, how crafty can we? And I don't want to get hung in that delusion, is what I'm saying. I don't want to get hung in that delusion that I'm the one that's got it. When you got it right is when you realize your relationship with Christ is the issue. That's good. That's, everything else is fluff. I'm going to say it like it is. Everything else is fluff. Everything else is extra credit, if you want to say it that way. The issue is relationship with Christ. And if that's intact, he'll lead you into the truth where, where he wants you to be. He'll, he'll lead you in it. We, don't you think we can trust Him for that? Surely we can, we can rest in that. So anyway, so we see all of these different, the diversity that was in these seven churches. We need to remember that as we're looking at the church today. Today we see these same churches. The seven churches were churches that had lived beyond the first generation. At the first generation, you're moving into... Uh, the second generation, and we believe John wrote the, this book around 95, 96 A.D. Now, there's one. Th uh, this is another little thought I'll throw in there. If you believe in replacement theology, you have to believe that John wrote the book before 70 A.D. Because the destruction of Israel was the tribulation period. So John had to write it. The idea, I mean, it won't work. You know what I'm saying? So you have to change your dates around. So you, have to, you have to do what I call spiritual calisthenics to make a lot of it work. Now, they were expecting Christ to return very soon. First generation going into to, you know, the apostles, everybody's dying out. John's left when he wrote Revelation. And, uh, but they were, to, they were to expect his soon return. So therefore, I mean, I remember years ago, I'll not call any names, that there was a group that came in this county uh, was going to hide out in the mountains waiting on the second return of Christ. And uh, then he never did come, so they had to get jobs and go to work because he didn't, he didn't come. So we see here they were expecting Christ to return very soon. When he did not return, the churches started preparing for a longer wait and settled down into the world once again waiting. So there we tend to find ourselves. We settle down, we get jobs, we build houses, we do these things, but we're still waiting for his return. Now here was the next generation where you'd think, well, surely he'll come then. Now we're... 2,000 years later, and what's to be our posture is we're watching and waiting. And now listen, the watching and the waiting has everything to do with the condition of your spirit man. 
if you want to stay, hang around here and build a bunch of mansions and get a bunch of money and do uh, do the materialism thing, you can you can do that. But that's not watching and waiting. Has are, is the set of spiritual governors on how you live your life. Can you hear that? So the watching and waiting has 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 greater benefits than just say, yeah, there he is. It has greater benefits because it sets up the spirit man to receive truth. And and you have to, uh, I had uh, in that one teacher that I even listened to this week that was in replacement theology, he was, he was saying how that um, the kingdom of God, uh, when Christ said that the kingdom of God is within you, that that was proof text that the literal kingdom of God uh, was not going to happen, that this spiritual kingdom superseded the literal. And he went on to say that anybody that believed that there would be a literal kingdom of, of God on the earth were the same as the Pharisees who killed Christ. So we can get pretty mean in this thing. <laughs> see, see how you can, I mean, if you follow the system, well, yeah, okay, yeah. Why? Because the fair, their problem was they believed that there's going to be a literal kingdom, which is true. And so his comment was everybody that believes there's still going to be a literal kingdom is the same mindset that hung Jesus on the cross. Make sense? You see. Now, there's not but one hope when you reach such things as that. There's something within me that has a somewhat of a relationship with Jesus says, I don't feel right. You're going to say, and there's something in me, and it's not how much scripture I know. It's who I know. And there's a witness in me that says, ah, that, that sounds, that sounds... Like you want to throw a bunch of people under the bus that Jesus died for? I, I don't, I don't, I don't get a witness of that. And that comes out of relationship, not out of biblical knowledge, but relationship with Christ. And I believe in this day that the relationship with Christ is going to be needed more than your book knowledge. I believe that. You're going to be going down the road, and some of you are doing it already. I know people laugh about a parking space. I don't, because it lets me know that cry, that you're in tune, you're in touch. God can say, turn here or, or turn there, or have you ever went somewhere and you didn't know why to go there? Then there's somebody sitting at a table, and the Lord says, go talk to them. I mean, y'all, you know what I'm talking about. That's the Christianity that this book is pointing to. But at the same time, if God said it's going to happen, so God says in His Word He's going to give the nation of Israel land, and, a, and, and that's where Jerusalem is, and He's going to give them a king to sit on that land. He promised that to David. So you got the Abrahamic covenant and the Divinic covenant, and God gave it, and, and we just got to deal with it. Hadn't happened yet. And you see for about... 1,800 years, Israel has to be in their nation. Y'all know this. Israel has to be in the, in the nation. Jews have to be in Israel. 
before that prophecy can be in effect. I mean, how's the king going to come back and they're not even there? You say, it won't work. And so for 1,800 years, 1,900 years, the Jews weren't there, so you could see how you could say, well, we've got to change our theology. Surely it means when he says it's in your heart, that's his second coming. The kingdom of God's within you. are not talking about a literal kingdom. You see, and you can see why you've got to hang on to the hermeneutic that if God said it, you go on out, it just is. God, it just, you got it to do. You've got to work, work it in your timeline somewhere because God said it. So for that reason... Let me ask you a simple question. Why can they both not be true? Yes, God gave an earthly kingdom to Israel and land. Why, why can't it be true that He's going to do what He said? Why can't it be true that the kingdom of God's in my heart and the kingdom of God's going to be a literal kingdom? Why, why can't... Listen, I, I am... I am I am an American. I am. I love America. I got that in my heart. I love America. But all the land of America is not in my heart. <laughs> you, you can hear what I'm saying? The kingdom of, the literal kingdom of God is not in my heart. I have the spirit of the kingdom. I have the spirit of America. I have the spirit of the king. Can, can you see the difference? And we're, my, my, my belief system is they're both true. God said it literally, all this stuff, to give us types and shadows and symbols. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, he did. But God's hung because he said it's going to have to be there. And, but the, what a Christian, if we approach the Word of God correctly, I believe that it's all true. It's both true. You can say, and a true replacement theology person believes that we were grafted in like with the promises of Abraham. So you can use, you can stack your scripture up. So therefore, of course, it'll stretch that one a little bit in saying, so therefore, since we are, the very fact that there's now more Gentiles in the body of Christ is a proof that the Gentiles has taken over Israel. Right? Most of the church today is Gentile. So the Gentiles has replaced the Jews, so to speak. But now there's neither Jew nor Gentile, so therefore the church has replaced the Jewish nation. Can you see that? Now I can give you all kinds of scripture. If you want to go covenant, strict covenant, we can go strict covenant. And I can line them up and you'll say, oh yeah, that's what that means. There. But for some reason, very few consider, what if it's all true? It's in my heart. America's in my heart. Well, right? What if it's all true? The covenants are true? Replacement theology, the terminology, I think is terrible. But have I been grafted into the nation Israel? The answer is yes. Is there one new man? Yes. But the one new man doesn't replace anybody. It includes everybody. 
Can you see what I'm saying? How they want to say, all right, this stops, this starts. You see, that's where I had trouble with dispensational teaching. And some teachers, not all teachers, some of them, this starts, this stops. My problem was, it's just like today. If you were in 70 AD and Titus came through, you're going to say, I can take you to enough evidence that you'd say that is definitely most of the tribulation period. My problem is, if that's the case, we've got an ongoing tribulation period. Tell the Jews with Hitler they weren't in tribulation, right? So my problem is if it was fulfilled then, why does it keep going? It, 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 I don't have a witness of that. So this much we do know. We're waiting on His return. And we're waiting on His appearing. And the only thing I can tell you is this part of the revelation that I'm going to summarize if I'd hush and get on with it is this part of it, it keeps unfolding itself. That's the reason I've told you. Down through the age, it appears to me that there's been about a dozen possible Antichrist. You see, you got to understand, if you were in the middle, of, when you had Martin Luther pull his stunt, as some say, the Reformation, the Catholic Church proclaimed that the Protestants were the great falling away. Anybody see that? All of a sudden, you got these Protestants, the Catholic Church. It's the great falling away from the church. They had a correction to that Inquisition. We're going to kill them Protestants. <laughs> right? And, that, and that's what happened. So you can see down through the ages, and then after that, then the Protestants said, no. While they were say, being called the great falling away, the Protestants were saying, no, we're the crowd where Jesus said, get out from among them. Right? So, it's, it's amazing, now there again, somehow or another, when God did this thing, this book of Revelation has been going on for 2,000 years. Do I think it's fulfilled? The answer is no. No. And do I think we're still in the middle of the prophecy of Joel? I really do. I think we're right in the middle of it. Because there's some things I think haven't happened yet, but there's a lot of that. Not only has it happened, it keeps happening. That is so amazing to me. So if I have any, do I think that the times are, we're in the times of the end? The answer is yes. Based on past history, it could last another thousand years. I, I mean, it could, because it has for two. Right? It's in a bad state, and it's happened for... But I think... Our problems with God is not with the world, and let me tell you why. For some reason... God keeps extending His mercy and grace to a bunch of idiots. <laughs> For some reason, God does that. And for the life of me, I, and my prayers, y'all need to hear them. So I'm like, God, do you know what you're doing? Do, do you not see? 
And then he'll take me through some course of listening to this teacher or that teacher. We'll read this and read. And I'll get in there and I'm like, well, okay. (laughs) I'm telling you, God's drugged me through Christianity. I have walked nowhere. It's just amazing to me how God's done this thing. So I'm left at, that's the reason I put up that first thing. I'm left at the end of my road and tie a knot in it. And just hang on. And my only hope is, is when I tied the knot in the end of that rope, it is my theology is, oh, God. When I was told I was going to die of cancer, I, all of my theology went out the window. And I'm like, and this is what was my prayer. And I've told you, my big prayer to God was, I said, Jesus, I am holding on to your garment. If I go to hell, you're going with me. <laughs> Because I'm not letting go. Now, that is what I prayed. I said, everywhere you go, I said, you might let go of me, but I am not letting go of you. Now, when you're in a place of desperation, you'll pray some sincere prayers. But relationally, the Lord knew my heart, and I was serious. So I am still there at the end of that rope with a knot tied into it. And everywhere Jesus takes his rope, I'm going because I'm not going to let go of him. I'm not depending on my theology and how right or wrong I am. I am not depending on that. When I get to heaven, I'm going to say the guy in the middle cross told me I could come. Boy, I didn't get nowhere today. So, So before them was the task to grow the church in faithfulness until he returns. So that's what we're doing here. His soon return, and we're to grow in faith and in faithfulness. In other words, uh, to his soon appearing. Even though all of the evidence says he's not going to show up. That's what the evidence says. The Scriptures even refers to there was a group that said, you keep saying He's going to return. He's not returning. But the task we have at hand is to stay faithful to the truth. Faithful to be in the position of watching and waiting and praying for His soon return. Revelation twenty two seventeen says this, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Amen. So our position is to say, Come, Lord Jesus. Now, I gave you two examples today. One was a spiritual coming, and the other one's a literal coming. They're both true. So I'm asking, if he doesn't literally come this morning, I'm I'm saying, come Lord Jesus. Spiritually, come Lord Jesus. The spirit world's more real than the natural world. I was going to get into that, but maybe next week. So we're wanting the spiritual world to break into this natural world just a little bit because of our faith in him. This has been the cry of the church for 2,000 years. Tomorrow, next week, or in the next century. Come Lord Jesus. And that's the reason I teach people that I believe we're in the end times. 
But pack your lunch, it might be a few days. <laughs> We're to be ready and to watch. The church is told, too, that heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. But of that day and that hour, no man knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son of man, but the Father. Take ye heed, do what? Watch and pray, for you know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is a man uh, taking a far journey, who left his house and gave authority to his servants, and to every man his work, and commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for you know not when the master of the house cometh, at evening, or at midnight, or at the cock crowing, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he finds you sleeping." So I have, in our summary for this week, I have shown you the church, where we are. I hope that you take away from it that the relationship is the issue. And Jesus, with His Holy Spirit, will lead you into all truth. And let me tell you something. There's not any individual that can contain all truth but Jesus Himself. So God delegates, and Jesus delegates a little bit of truth to His people. Then His people are to strive and stay true to the truth that God's given them. Therefore, we find a lot of different persuasions. People are coming from their position of truth. And I encourage you to respect everybody. If there are different, pers different persuasions of truth... It might not be your truth, but it still might be the truth that the Lord gave them to guard. Amen. And I hope you can hear me. I'm not saying where we carry non-truth. I'm talking about truth of the Word of God. And there's not anybody in this room, surely to goodness, that don't have the ego to think that you have all the truth. That's the reason we have to rely upon each other. In the body of Christ, we have to rely on, the, on the, the Holy Spirit that God knows what He's doing. The question is, are you being faithful to the truth that God's given you? Don't worry about everybody else. And your faithfulness to the truth that's been revealed to you has to do everything to do with your relationship to Christ. Amen? All right, the good part is your job is to test what I've said. I'm not trying to convince you. You test it. But I do hope I'm a good gravel in your boot. Let's stand. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for today. We do ask and pray, O oh God, that your Holy Spirit would give us revelation of truth. Lead us in your truth, O oh God. Thank you for allowing us to be excited about your return, your soon return. We pray and we watch for your soon return and let us be found faithful. Being faithful to the truth that you've given to each one of us to perform upon this earth when we're representing who you are. Thank you for our differences. Thank you for the likeness of Christ in all of our hearts. Be with us today, Lord. I pray it'll be unusual. It'll not be a normal day. 
I pray that things will be accomplished today that's never been accomplished. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.